Shannon, welcome back to Geopath Books, return guest. <laughs> Glad to be back. Yay. Yeah. More reading. I always love more reading and more podcasts. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to do this. We we did the Sun Alter Raises book months and months and months ago. Another met, lifetime? Another lifetime ago, a few countries ago, and blah, blah, blah. And we meant to do a six-month or so catch-up with the original, The Movable Feast, and then the world imploded. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so we're a few months later, but we're still doing it. But we're both in China when we did, like, we were. Were you reading my mm-hmm. apartment yep. for that one? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're both in my apartment in Shanghai, China, recording that one. And now we have, we are in very, very different places. <laughs> so let's, let's and do. Next, cr- and, not, and not seeing each anybody in person. I mean, I not, know, not right? Like thinking yeah. about doing, it, doing an interview face to face is so weird. So I left Shanghai, China on December 31st, arrived in Berlin, Germany, January 1st, spent one hour, actually one hour of the year in China in the airport. And uh, yeah, I've been here the whole year. That's pretty much the whole, the whole trajectory. How long we will stay is a giant question mark that only COVID can answer. How about you? COVID and the, the German visa people like us, right? Yeah, the office that I cannot pronounce the name of because it has like 10 syllables in it. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so we were in China, also in Shanghai, and we actually left for Chinese New Year for a holiday in Spain. Oh, how quaint that seems now. And that was at the time when COVID was heating up in China. Um, It was still very, well, it always stayed pretty minor in Shanghai, but it was getting it was seeming scary. Mm-hmm. I was then going to the U.S. for conferences, so I was going to be on about a maybe, I don't know, something between two and three week time away. My husband ended up staying longer in Spain. We were just nervous about going back, a lot of uncertainty. So long story short, eventually we both ended up on the east coast of the U.S., staying at my parents, one of my parents' homes, and here we are many months later. So we basically had someone ship us our stuff eventually from our apartment in Shanghai because it was due for renewal anyway and it wasn't looking good and it was right at the time they actually banned all foreigners from coming back. So we've sort of been living the displaced hopping around while staying isolated lifestyle on the east coast of the U.S. and I don't know if we ever talked about this in any of our episodes but people used to ask I'm sure people have asked you are you going to go back home ever and go back to the U.S. and we always my my husband always said absolutely not and I always said I don't plan to but you never know what life will bring and and now I'm like okay see that's why I said that (laughs) we don't you're much wiser yeah we didn't we didn't plan to but uh you know life had other plans for us for now so that's uh, that's where we are currently and but we're working on our next home base hopefully in Spain depending on what those are. Yeah. <laughs> By the time this comes out, you might actually have a result from that. And I might actually know if I got extended to stay in Germany. <laughs> Hopefully it'll all be good news. <laughs> I know. I mean, although honestly, as much as I would vehemently answer that question of, are you going home with a strong no, at this point, it's been so difficult and not working while wanting to work for eight months has been so incredibly strange and stressful that at this point, I would just say whatever happens will be fine as long as I start to work soon because <laughs> I'm going a little crazy. Not bored, but just with the isolation of COVID and not working, it's like a double blah. 
but we're not going to stay inside very long. We're going to hit the cafes. We are <laughs> following up. That's my attempt at a transition. <laughs> Good one. We're going to follow up from, um, from, from our expat wanderings to the expat wanderings of Ernest Hemingway in Paris in A Movable Feast, a book that I feel like everybody in the world loves except for me. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. So a lot of the things I listened to, the ratings were pretty high. There were, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. What surprises me is how few people I've heard talk about it and that I've talked to how many people have not read Hemingway or not read barely, like maybe read one thing that they were required to in school, like The Old Man yeah. in the Sea, even though everyone knows him, but like mm -hmm. very few people have read a lot of. In the last episode, we talked a lot about how his persona was so strong and how it was such a huge marketing pull. And yeah, it just, it's amazing how famous and ingrained into so many things that we talk about with American culture and with Paris and with expats and all of that. but the amount that people have read of him is amazingly low, which is very, very strange. Although if it were based on this, I would understand why, but that's my own bias. <laughs> I guess we should give an overall impression before I taint the listeners anymore. Shannon, did you like the book, not like the book? What, what, were your, what was your feeling on it? I, uh, I, I didn't think it, I, I actually heard one review that was a description that I kind of can relate to. They called it like the B-sides of the, B, you know, a B-side album, but they called it that. I felt like it was that. It was these little stories kind of just thrown together of his life. I found it a fast read. It's interesting. He has a great writing style, like yeah. there's no doubt about it, but it was just kind of, it's very scattered. I think if you're into that time period or those the, the characters you know that are mostly very famous people it's kind of a nice little sort of fantasy thing to you know kind of imagine that life there and but between the two that were in a way a similar kind of thing uh, I, I think I, I definitely liked the sun also rises more but this one I guess again if you're really into those real life you know, characters, then then that's the appealing part of it, perhaps. And that, that interested me. I mean, it, it, it was a fast read. When we were talking off of this, inter away from this interview, geez Louise, when we were talking away from this interview, I was comparing it to like a very sloppy blog. It felt a lot like this is what I did today. Even if it was interesting or not interesting, I felt like he put it in here, which is fair enough. It is a diary of sorts, right? Or if not exactly a diary. But now that you're mentioning the characters, and I've heard, I heard a few other people mention, you know, the, the celebrity factor of it's not quite a, a who's who or a tell-all or anything, although it has moments of that. Mm -hmm. It almost feels more like, um, what is it, like a celebrity magazine in some parts? Yeah. <laughs> like if you're looking at the pictures and you're reading the, the, like just the underlined subtitle or whatever, but you're not really reading the articles, you're like, oh, that happened. And then you're just turn the page, turn the page, turn the page. But yeah, his writing style is still really good. Yeah. But I, I mean, it kind of is, it very much is kind of a diary because he basically, it, it was his notebook that he kept. Mm -hmm. And then he, it was many, many years later. And that, that's what I did find interesting, especially going back and listening to other synopses and, and like reading about it because I had forgotten that, you know, this was about the 20s, but he wrote it at the, towards the end of his life where he was, Ooh, having not an easy time of it, uh, you know, mm -hmm. killed himself, uh, and then it got published afterwards. So he's putting that stuff back together. So really, I, I think the title is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, of that, of all, which 
he didn't come up with the title per se, um, but uh, I think it's brilliant because it is, and that was one thing I really sort of related to as a, a traveler and expat is that that movable feast that you live, you can eat off of or live off of or whatever for the rest of your life, your, your travels, your experiences, that that's such like sustenance when you've had adventure, different adventures. Yeah. Because for, during COVID, especially for me, I feel like my, I've been so thankful for the things that we did because I've been sort of living off of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I kind of, so I think it's just, it's interesting that that way. And then I guess the celebrity piece is, he probably, he, well, and his, the wife at the time who actually picked which chapters and stuff, I'm sure that, you know, he had a lot more of that just day to day, but then that wasn't what was selected for the book. So it's like, oh, this is about Scott Fitzgerald. That's something, you know, notable to put in. And yeah. That's kind of what got chosen. Actually, speaking of Scott, dear Scott, I am, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like maybe only three or four notes really. And one of them was the, uh, I put whiny sick guy next to it in chapter eight, <laughs> but I don't, but we have different chapters because I guess we should go over this first before the whiny sick guy is um, there's different versions of it. I think I might have the original because I don't have all the extra stuff in the, mm -hmm. and the and whatnot, but you said yours has sketches and a different forward and things. Yeah. So I have the one, it was like, um, I believe it came out, I don't know, maybe like 2009. So oh. his, the original one, his wife, Mary Hemingway, put it, sort of put it together, edited it. There's a lot of criticism in both cases because mm -hmm. she obviously selected it from her point of view and left out certain things that like made another wife look good. And, you know, they, a lot of people said those kind of things about it. But then on the other hand, then when it was redone by, I think it was, it's his son, Patrick and grandson, Sean, yeah. that write the forewords and stuff. And I think they also took part in the editing. Um, and adding some stuff back in. It's sort of, depending on how you look at it, it maybe is a little more to the original because they put more, the extra parts are kind of sketches. They put it back in, okay. Yeah, so they- What are so the sketches of? So they're basically more blog posts. <laughs> <laughs> so they're more random chapters that just yeah. didn't make it in. But the reason I guess they didn't put them in as chapters is because they wanted yeah. to sort of stay true to that version Mary right. did. Like, okay, here it is. And he chose to take these out for reasons, but then you can sort of see. So right. almost you almost see a work in progress a little more. Uh, so it yeah. might actually be worth it if somebody's really interested to get to both of them and, and can kind of compare them, it sounds like. Yeah, because some part is one, there's a big part of it that's where he takes the chapter, I guess the way he ended it or something about his, his wife at the time he left sort of towards the end. Yeah. And he really contemplated different ways to approach that and so if you're a writer and you're into Ernest Hemingway as a writer I think that those would be interesting really cool. that, yeah. that would really really be interesting I heard a couple of people say that the order is different in the two books also I had taken it on story even though it seems diary-esque I hadn't really thought it has to be in chronological order so I guess the order wouldn't mm -hmm. necessarily matter very much anyway yeah they didn't put it together in chronological order which I guess yeah that's why it makes it feel very it can be sort of, it's much more like a bunch of short stories than yes. any kind of novel or anything. Is there any part of it that that really resonated with Shannon the expat? <laughs> Anything that seemed familiar, either with where you are right now in your expat journey, temporarily repatriating but not, or just in general? I mean, the, the concept of the movable feast, for sure, mm -hmm. definitely, I thought was something, and I guess, yeah, because there was something where it said, 
a memory or even a state of being that had become part of you, a thing that you could always have with you no matter where you went or how you lived forever after that you could never lose. Um, and then it talks about an experience in space and time. And so, yeah, I could, I could relate to that and also sort of in thinking about him putting it together, relate to looking back to blogs, journals, whatever we might keep nowadays and sort of, um, and especially right now, because it's not, I'm not hopefully at the point where he was with end of life type reflection um, or depression, severe, severe depression type reflections he was going through and losing his memory going through, you know, having to stop travel because of the um, virus. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely was doing that with, particularly sort of going through Facebook pictures and stuff like that and looking back at memories and uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, I can see, and it's kind of cool with him, the little snapshots of people, you know, I can kind of see thinking about that in terms of different characters that maybe we've come across in our journey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, we, I don't know. I don't even know if we want to talk about the whiny sick guy part. That was, that felt very long. That felt like a Seth Rogen movie that I didn't want to see. That The whole part where he's talking about, it was absolute Scott Fitzgerald in that chapter, right? The chapter eight when it was Scott that was, that thought he was incredibly sick and instead of Oh, yeah, about the thermometer. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting with, with Scott Fitzgerald in this book. I mean, I don't know. The one thing I really didn't like is I felt like Hemingway was being very unpleasant towards a lot of people. Very, very unpleasant. <laughs> I mean, and, and particularly F. Scott yeah. Fitzgerald, but I know there were some, they were friends, but then there was some falling out. But I mean, he, yeah. that, that piece, I mean, as one of the podcasts, I think we listened to said, I mean, he yeah. emasculated him in this book, like, masterfully. Oh, the Matt. penis part of the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the thermometer thing because he looked yeah. like he was so whiny and he looked like a hypochondriac and <laughs> it, honestly, I I left that part. It wasn't just how he was painting Scott or how Scott came across. It was for me. It was like, well, if you're that annoyed with how this person is acting, why are you around him so much? Like, why is he your quote unquote friend if you really don't like who he is? Like, that was the weirdest part for me. But yeah, I think Scott was asking for a thermometer and Hemingway ordered drinks or something? Did he order whiskey or something like that? And I'm like, that's mean. <laughs> yeah, he also said on the drive back, uh, I, it, was, it was as if he had to sort of watch over Scott. Uh -huh. I mean, Scott obviously had some troubles and Zelda sounds like she was yeah. top one. But I was like, oh, I have to keep him from drinking. So we'll just get a bottle of wine with lunch on yeah. the drive home. <laughs> so it was definitely different times then. But oh, yeah. he, yeah, he definitely, I mean, there, you could sense this rivalry and it felt just, it felt oh, yeah. kind of childish. Like, yeah. I, I could say, like, Hemingway, you, you don't need to be so jealous of Fitzgerald, but it clearly seems like he was jealous of his success. Very, very. And I think you tapped into a big part of my distaste for it. I like the idea of this book, and I definitely like what it turned into with The Sun Also Rises, but there is such a kind of, I wrote down snarky, but I don't think snarky is the right idea. I think it's more of what you're saying of the, the jealousy and the meanness in it towards a lot of people that he mentions would just rub me the wrong way. I'm like, I understand if you want to just write that to process things for yourself, but to want it to be out in the world in that form when you haven't really processed it and you're just reacting to just being that immature towards people that were you chose to be around, I don't know why that would be a good idea. 
I don't know. It just really. Yeah, I, th I think he, it's, it's funny. And, you know, in The Sun Also mm -hmm. Rises, there were funny characters and different oh, yeah. things. But here it did, it took on that sort of meanness or pettiness. And I, yeah. I'm wondering how much, I mean, obviously he wrote the notebooks mm -hmm. in the time. But yeah. then he put it together and wrote it how he wanted it to be out there later. And it was a time when he was severely depressed, when right. he was coming to terms. It was the last professional work he really did. Uh, and then, like, literally right before or right at the end of his life, you know, he had been doing ECT, so he started losing his memory and he couldn't write anymore. Also, I don't know if that colored it at all or if he was – if, if he originally in his notebooks wrote that, or like you said, write, wrote the snarky things, but it was more, this is my journal. Okay, yeah. I'm irritated with someone, so of course you yeah. might write the journal. But There's I don't nothing wrong with that. That's a good way, good cathartic use of pen and paper. But yeah, it would be pen and paper or a typewriter. I don't know exactly what, I don't remember exactly what he wrote. But yeah, no, that's fine. You're right, you're right. Yeah, his mental health might have, might have tainted it. Yeah, but then you would also think that I, I'm wondering what was Mary Hemingway's perspective when she was putting it out there. Right. I mean, yeah. you'd think in a way she would say, I mean, maybe she, maybe that was how he did it. And she thought, well, that's what he's, how he's looking back on it now. That's, right. I'll put it out there like that, but I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of questions. It's <laughs> a lot of questions on, on why, why, what, what this would to why this would go into the world. Not that a son also rice it would seriously change anybody in any serious way, but it just felt more, uh, it just felt less damaging, I guess is what I want to say. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of the positive parts of this book and the lifestyle yeah. and all that, but yeah. it was much more friendly. You know, there were people there with, you know, different issues and there were yeah. different funny kind of stories, but uh, I guess also because it was a fictionalized version, it makes right. it a little <laughs> better. Yeah. I mean, there, there definitely was still a dark undertone to them. You could tell that they were, they were lost and trying to like medicate with unsavory factors of their lives and things, but it wasn't quite as dark as this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And because, you know, these were the actual people and even if sun also rises, even if it was so-and-so person is quite obviously so-and-so mm -hmm. you know it's still a little different when there's a, a yeah. different name behind it or maybe it's a composite of a couple of people when it's you're out and out saying f scott Fitzgerald, ezra pound there was another yeah. guy that he was really uh, i forget what his name was that uh i think it was somebody that knew ezra pound but that mm -hmm. he described as like the eyes of an unsuccessful rapist yes i remember that part and i went wow hold on what <laughs> Yeah. I think I was too shocked to even note it, but I definitely remember that part. Was that the same, wait, the opium moment, was that, that was Donner or something? I didn't quite catch that. Yeah, that that was like Dunning or something. That was I think Dunning, was Dunning, that's right. Yeah. Was that the same man or a different man? No, I think it was a different guy. See, the harshness is just so strong. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I'm going to read, one of the podcasts I listened to did this. I think he went back and looked at the Wikipedia pages for all the people. I mean, he yeah. knew, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald, but some of these other people, I mean, they yeah. are also famous in their own right. So I'd love to read more about, you know, and, and if there's any in information about what relationship they had with Hemingway. And so I guess, obviously, all of them had complicated relationships. Sort of competitors, but yet colleagues and supportive of each other but you know and then they were all kind of in this 
impoverished and trying to seed and relationships and lots of drinking and yeah you know, I was of, gonna say that like on top of everything else you have a lot of time between when it happened and when he wrote it and a lot of alcohol at the time that he was experiencing it that they were all experiencing it so there's a lot of things that could skew what actually happened and what people were like to a degree yeah, and maybe that's why a lot of people like it because it has that sort of celebrity tell-all factor and because it is sort of snarky and, you know, because he's clever with with that stuff in a way, but that's what yeah. people, you know, and, I, and I, it did read quickly and it interest, it kept my interest, but then I started, sort of started feeling unease about it. <laughs> yeah, and when I was talking to my husband about it this morning, I'm like, I just can't, uh, I just can't put my finger on it. We have we have now, but I couldn't put my finger on the, the the disease that I had with it. But I just I just couldn't understand why so many people refer to it so often as like oh you have to read this you have to read this. And he's he said a rather clever thing. He said that the people are probably attached to what they know Hemingway turned out to be as a person and his life and his lifestyle and his success. So they're probably like, hey, he ended up like this. So maybe this is the way we need to be towards people and blah, blah, blah. Maybe they just liked it because of who he turned into. True, true. And so, I don't know. Have you ever read any other expat, either like a blog, a journal, or a book, even if it's a fictionalized book oh, that yeah. had that? I mean, there's a lot of them that are about you know, characters they made along the way and funny stories, but have you ever met, uh, read one that had anything like this in terms of like oh. negative stuff about char the characters? Yes, but not very much of it because I don't like it. it I don't know why, I would, why that would need to be said out loud. I mean, I guess if somebody was actually harming other people and they needed to be stopped, I could see that. But again, why would that be in a blog or a book that should be some sort of legal matter or something or police matter or something but yeah I've, I've come across it especially when I used to blog my own stuff I made a point not to talk about specific people uh and especially not names when it, it was happening or even thereafter and so when I ran across other blogs where people started ripping apart people in the same city or even small town I just was like what why why is this happening this just doesn't seem about things that aren't very important, but like seriously attacking, attacking character. It's just never really sat well with me. I don't know. Yeah. How about you? Uh, not so much. I, no, I don't, I haven't really, I, I hear people sort of mention things about other people, you know, in the expat circles, there's mm -hmm. there'll be like animosity towards people that are, you know, with their spouse that aren't working and, oh, they, they, this and they, that, or whatever mm -hmm. or they're, or the opposite, or, you know, they'll be like, oh, they, you know, just the, the differences and stuff. And then, mm -hmm. um, people with crazy stories doing silly things, you know, and people, the word will go around about that, but that's more like word of mouth. I don't know if anyone writing about it or anything, Yeah. you know, and yeah, I think it's, uh, it's interesting, but it's also weird because I mean, for these were, some of these people are probably fairly ancillary to him, but mm -hmm. um, significant enough that he really remembers them so many years later. Yeah. Uh, and most of them are pretty famous, but I think a lot of them are friends. So it's mm -hmm. not just even, oh, this crazy expat was doing mm -hmm. this funny, you know, there was this story. It's like, oh, my good friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Foibles of his relationship. <laughs> that was the weirdest, weirdest part. Because the most, the most frequent, like, bitter, kind of angry expat stuff that I've read, sparing as it may be, was more 
more about individuals who were locals. Like it was this big culture yeah. clash, mm -hmm. right? I can't believe he did yeah. this. This must be what Koreans do. This must be what Chinese people do. This must be like, they would just take one person's slightly rude behavior and just blow it up to this giant cultural norm. Uh, but it, but they would start describing the person and sometimes name them and I'm just, yeah, I don't know. But it was definitely more of it blowing up to a bigger thing. But he was actually attacking, yeah, that's a good point. He was actually attacking people within his own circle. A lot of them, if not all of them, were Americans too. So it's, yeah. yeah. It's much more like the tell-all. Like I can see it with, with uh, I, I've heard what you're talking about, about expats talking about local behavior mm -hmm. and stuff and then similarly other expats talking about like the certain type of expat like the the the, yeah. the american that you know doesn't try to integrate into the culture at all mm -hmm. or whatever. so this person oh he's been in this country for so many years and he's never tried to learn language and he acts this way and blah 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 so that kind of thing but that's more about like a type i mean that's not a personal attack exactly as much. yeah and he was more getting at their character and their relationship you know that hadn't didn't have much i i don't know how much of this was creative i mean they were all other creatives so was it creative jealousy or yeah yeah i mean he obviously had a concern for f scott fitzgerald in terms mm -hmm. of the relationship with zelda i mean it was sort of a he had this concern and wanting to help him but at the same time it was completely emasculating and so it was complicated <laughs> Oh, it was yeah. very, very complicated. Yeah, I that that relationship confuses me. <laughs> but yeah. oh man, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really good point. And how much of that is because he's got kind of got the double whammy of the expat circle and then the writing, the writer circle, and so he's got like two groups and like where the Venn diagram met. I don't know why I keep doing these visuals. I'm sorry, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, and with the two meeting, it could be like if you take the cattiness of that expat, oh, look what he's doing. And then the writers, sorry, writers, but it can get catty in writing circles mm -hmm. and um, especially creative writing circles that he was probably running in. And so that combined together, maybe that's where some of this meanness came from. I don't know. I don't know. I'm totally just painting different strokes here. I'm wondering what will stick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, they had a lot of there were a lot of complications in their in all their lives because yeah. they were you know they had experienced war so there's there's a lot of mental health things probably going yeah. on underlying all this stuff uh, oh, yeah. zelda was incredibly like had incredible mental health issues from what i understand mm -hmm. um and her she and scott Fitzgerald it was like a um uh, intense but wild love story mm -hmm. <laughs> you know super codependent super problematic you know all kinds of things happened i guess in that um so yeah i i i guess they were all but he was sort of holding himself up as like the steady one in all the situation right? and i was just thinking the the um that the physical problem he had from a sun also rises did that did that show up in here? Because I don't remember that being in there yeah. at all. So that was the plot device that they used in there. Oh, interesting. Huh. Okay. So yeah, so they made him more damaged and the sun also rises, but in this it's just like more of the cocky Hemingway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was sort of like everybody else. They were yeah. characters and he was there and he actually there was something about now i'm trying to remember in my there was something also about them changing the 
that he had written a lot of it in second person, or I don't remember, there was something about that mm -hmm. I read in the foreword too. So I wonder how that oh. was different. From, yeah. yeah. He did a lot of writing you something, something, something. And I can't remember if my version was that For way this or? one or for Sun Also Rises? For this one. No way. Yeah. That's not diary-like, is it? So this was first person, right? Yeah, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm double checking right now. I did it on audio, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see I all over the page. Yeah. Yeah. That's really strange. Why would, well, he was experimenting. Yeah. He, he did, he did definitely try different writing styles and, and things. So I, I don't, I don't blame him at all for experimenting, but that mm -hmm. seems like a weird choice for a diary. Yeah, I see that there's some variety because he, he's on the hunger chapter or whatever. It's a lot of, Ooh. yeah, you got hungry when you did not eat in Paris. Yeah. That was pretty interesting, the hunger part and hung, memory is hunger or something. Yes. Yeah. I feel like if I ever came back to this book, I would probably just come back to that chapter. I That was pretty, pretty, pretty close to the beginning, wasn't it? And I thought, oh, now it's starting to take off. Okay, this is good. This is this is really, I had to stop at the end of that short chapter and think about it for a while because I really loved what he did with all of that. And then it just it didn't keep going with that. But I loved, I loved all of that. I didn't actually save any specific quotes in that, but I feel like there could be if I went back and redid it. Was there yeah, I remember, I remember. Well, I remember the part about memory is as a certain kind of hunger. Mm -hmm. That that's what I thought was really interesting: the hunger for the physical hunger, and then the hunger for memory. And he talked about yeah, and it is funny. Then he turns on a dime because I have that highlighted, and then the next thing I've highlighted is his description of the guy that he says his eyes are an unsuccessful, the eyes of an unsuccessful rapist, and he also calls him toe jam. So he really goes from <laughs> one extreme to the other, like beautiful descriptions of things to then yeah let's see the part about hunger yeah well this part was just where he's talking about walking by the bake shops and stuff so there are parts that are very evocative too like that when yeah. he talked about that i could smell i was like oh, i can smell that right now <laughs> and embarrassingly as i was really really enjoying the hunger chapter which is not actually called hunger it's when i was reading that chapter it didn't dawn on me to make a connection to the actual name of the book like the movable piece. Like for some reason, I didn't go from hunger in all of those different layers to the actual just theme that runs throughout the, probably the entire book. And I didn't feel like that necessarily ran through the entire book. Yeah. I don't know. No. Yeah. So, okay, good. It yeah. Hunger, hunger was good discipline. I think was that one. Hunger was good. It was chapter eight in my book. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think, I mean, I guess, the the title to me is more about the idea that it's this well i mean i guess it, it does relate back to that this memory of this feast that you know thing you can feast on yeah um, and like memory yeah. and like it fills a certain hunger and that hunger is actually maybe more painful than the hunger of being hungry um, okay so. so keeping going with this then maybe some of the meanness and bitterness was part of the uncomfortableness of the hunger I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah, cool. and I think probably when he was putting it back to putting it together, he he had that he was in that state. I mean, he yeah. was in the state of remembering back, looking at these kind of good times, but mm -hmm. feeling a lot of um, and probably at that time, let's see, F. Scott Fitzgerald would have been dead already, right? Mm -hmm. I think before and I think so. um, 
probably there still was that lingering, a lot of bitterness, because I mean, mm -hmm. The Great Gatsby just got so much more attention, <laughs> I think, than, you know, a lot of Hemingway stuff at the time, probably, he probably felt so maybe at this point in life when he kind of knew he wasn't going to be able to probably do anything more. Yeah, there's probably a lot of bitterness. He had a fair amount of notoriety during his lifetime, though, didn't he? He did. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think anyone would say, oh, poor him. Like he didn't have any, but he, he might've felt that way anyway, especially considering how depressed he was. Yeah. That's true. He might've, and knowing he was losing the ability there, that was like the thing he lived and died for. Yeah. You know, are there any other parts of the book that were of interest or confusing or odd or funny? See, the, the stuff I listened to today, they kept talking about the humor much more than I picked up on the humor. I don't know if that's because they had a different version than I did, but there were definitely clever moments. But what, what's your viewpoint on the, the humor aspect? I think it was, that, it was that snarky humor a lot. I mean, it was humor, but it was humor sort of making, like, I think they would say, people would say the chapter, they were thinking that the stuff about the, the emasculating of yeah. Scott about the penis size and stuff that was funny but to me it was funny but then I started to think oh yeah. that's kinda, you know he's saying I mean actually when I read it I have to say I was kind of giggling along like this is so silly these boys like you know, yeah. going to the move to compare, <laughs> compare <laughs> the don't worry you're okay because the statue doesn't look much different so it was funny but then it, it that feeling that I think when I first read it, it didn't phase me as much about the fact that it was something negative, and then it sort of sunk in. So I was kind of giggling yeah. at the time. So is is this your second read of the book? No, I oh. well, I, I think I might have read it a long time ago, but it was I didn't really remember it very much. But I, I sort of started reading through it again because mm -hmm. I had I read it. It was almost like it was almost two months ago now. So I mm -hmm. I went back in the last couple of days and started going through a lot of it, and that's where sort of after I read it the, this time and then as I was rereading it that's when I was really thinking more about mm, I don't know about this humor <laughs> yeah yeah and I going back to what you asked earlier about reading other expat things I'm thinking about like expat books that I've read that are much more current I haven't read any in a while but I used to read a lot of them and they do tend to do more of the quirkiness of the culture that they're kind of learning versus mm -hmm. this very, very insular experience, at least the way he portrays it. He doesn't really talk about Parisians or French people at all. They almost seem to have a very, it's, it almost seemed to be a very different sort of way. I, I mean, I feel like when they were there, they were going to this place to experience what it was mm -hmm. and to have it as like a place to write. It was kind of their own place. Mm -hmm. So it almost wasn't, I mean, I guess that's a positive side. They were really much more sort of integrated with mm -hmm. the language and the, they weren't looking at it as like, oh, this trip to this foreign culture. Paris was like yeah. a place to go for that set of people, not to almost make it, to make it a home. Right. So I think they really looked up to that culture. Huh. I don't, I don't know. Was, were there, were there, were there things that he said in that, in that vein? Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of the just... French people that made an appearance in it. And, yeah. and uh, it was sort of ancillary. Like there was a, the 
I, I don't know if it was the concierge or the owner or something in his building that was kind of negative towards Ezra Pound or somebody when they came in. Right. There were the waiters at the yeah. one place. Remember they had to like shave their mustaches? <laughs> yeah, I remember that part. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were like tiny appearances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah characters. Yeah. And it was never, they weren't ever really like put in any kind of cultural stereotype per se they had certain quirks but it did never seem like oh french people do this or something right, so right, right. yeah i think they really sort of it's it's interesting because i don't know what is it good or bad they kind of again were making that their home but then they yeah. also almost were not really it was is almost all about us <laughs> you know, yeah, like, and then were the important ones in this that could be their age too i mean they were pretty young when they were there or it could have been, I don't know, I don't know. We kept saying how poor they were, so maybe they didn't actually, they did go to a lot of cafes and things and they did have a lot of social outings, but maybe they went to the equivalent of like happy hours or things and all stayed together and got the cheap stuff and left. I mean, are there such things as happy hours in Paris in the 1920s? I don't know. I'm just trying to think, I'm like flash, flashing back to like, a lot younger me and staying at hostels and going to happy hours and then leaving a little too tipsy way too early when the sun was still out and going wait the rest of the night's still happening and I can't function what is happening right now and just those kinds of moments I'm like is were they doing the equivalent of that for the because of the lack of, of funds which seems weird considering how trust fundy they sounded in the sun also arises yeah so yeah there's yeah, they're very, and I mean, F. Scott Fitzgerald had already, when he's in this book, he had published The Great Gatsby, right? And he was, right. he was doing magazine yeah. stories for money. So he had, yep. it seems like he would have had decent money coming in. Yeah. But definitely, well, Hemingway had given up sort of his work, paying work. So I right. imagine, you know, there was really no income. So yeah. they were like, they were a royal, it's not royal, but something impoverished, like a, like, I don't know, there's a, there's a, a description that I can't think of, but they were nobly impoverished or something I don't know. oh okay yeah I whatever it is I, I think that's where i am right now <laughs> and it, that may also relate to why certain people we listen to liked it yeah because one podcast i listened to maybe two they specifically mentioned that uh it's it's like it's like the hipsters of the 20s and they were they mm -hmm. considered themselves sort of artsy hipster types and they sort of really related to oh this is our kind of book this is how we envisioned ourselves being oh okay so okay. i think it's a lot of that yeah yeah, yeah yeah gotcha so that does fit into the hostile vibe kind of not not everybody but i mean do you know there's a, there's a certain there's certain groups of well back when hostels were a thing lord knows how they're gosh, how, how are they possibly staying afloat right now? But there were certain groups of people. There were like the outdoor travelers. There were the, you know, kind of spending as little as possible anywhere kind of travelers. There were the, you know, older travelers. There were the, there were different, you know, groups of people, but there were always the people who were trying to get everything for free all the time and very proud of like begging on the side of the road to like get it the cheapest dinner that they could and blah, 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 blah. And maybe that's, yeah maybe that's yeah little. they definitely yeah it was definitely the arts so i and that's what i did sort of enjoy about it and the other book in in that way is that i felt like it sort of transported me it was that well and everyone that mentioned mm -hmm. this book 
uh, in different reviews and stuff I read, a lot of them, as I said, had not read a lot of Hemingway. And then the mm -hmm. other big thing that a lot of them mentioned was Midnight in Paris, the movie, bringing yes. them to this book. And I think yeah. they, there was an article I think I sent you that said this became really popular in France mm -hmm. after the terrorist attacks. So it was sort of a, a similar thing, I think, yeah. where it was kind of nostalgic about the beauty of France, the beauty of Paris, I guess, but also that movie, I think, did, has done more than anything mm -hmm. for this book. I, I would say he has to credit a lot of his current sales. I'll say. All the, all the younger people, that was the reason they read it. Yeah. Well, other than the Elizabeth Shue character, who I understand why she's in there, but man, I love her, but I hate her in that movie. Other than her... I, I think that movie, if I had to rate like all three, the, the two books in the movie, I would put the movie first, Sun Also Rises, and then A Movable Feast as in, in my list of enjoyableness. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's bringing a lot of people to this book that wouldn't have read it otherwise. They, yeah. they find that movie, or even, even if they haven't watched the movie, they hear about the movie, and then they, oh, this is the book it's based on. For sure. And so that seemed to be uh, everybody I was listening to was talking about that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I go back and watch the movie. I mean, because it still has, it definitely had elements of, like, there was this mm -hmm. Fitzgerald character and there was conflict mm -hmm. with Zelda and things oh, yeah. in there, but because it was more of a fictionalized, a movie kind of mm -hmm. thing, it just wasn't as pointed. No, and they definitely spent, had to spend an, a fair bit of time on the main character and his failing relationship. And the whole thing of nostalgia being, you know, exactly what it is, just a desire for something that doesn't exist that you don't want anyway. <laughs> so they really, really honed in on that. Whereas I don't think this is necessary with nostalgic. It's a little too bitter to, for anyone to, yeah. I think reading as a reader, it is, that's what I think people like about as a reader. it. And for me, I do, I do get yeah. that. It's the same, it's the same thing that draws me to this, mm -hmm. draws me also to a lot of um, Europe World War II stories. Mm -hmm. I love, I listen, I read all the time. The same thing that draws me to travel. I think it's this, um, it's this sort of like adventure for the mind or this mm -hmm. like going to a different time or place. And to me, these times are very icon. They're like traveling to a place, mm -hmm. you know, even though I can go to Paris now, but visiting Paris in the twenties, it's very, uh, you know, it's sort of a special thing that that's travel through book. That's thing. very, very, very true. I think for me, I was just a little bitter because I want a little more place and more local people into these kinds of books. And I felt a little bit robbed of that. <laughs> so I was just like, wait, what? Okay. Yeah, we got, we got you. We, we got it. But, but the place, because the place was so different. Like we think of Paris now or even Paris of 10, 20 years ago, but that's not what it was like after the war. Like the reason they were all there is because it was decimated and very cheap to live there. It's a huge part of why they were there. And I kind of wanted to see more of that, but that's not the kind of book it was. It wasn't an exploration book, but I still wanted it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like, there, I feel like it could have been. And there, that was probably why we liked Sun Also Rises. Yeah. We liked that better yeah. because I think it, it definitely got into, it described the cafes more and the, and then the travel to Spain. Yeah. And there was definitely more of that. There were, yeah, this could have almost been, and you knew that they were there because yeah. of the way they were and the characters and the situation, but you, right. you almost could have placed it anywhere. That's very true. That's very, very, very true. Yeah. It definitely made me appreciate editors, not in a mean way. Cause like I said, it was mostly meant to just kind of get the day's events out and that kind of thing so many years later, or just to make peace with life. I, I get that. That makes sense. 
but as far as a full piece of something that you want to go into the world and like not necessarily teach people something but leave people with something i feel like a sun also rises delivers a little bit better on that at least for me for me i definitely hands down like that one better how do you feel like it ties in because we did talk a lot last time about the him as a personality and that kind of stuff and then um and then this is more of like a celebrity tell-all and yeah. he's and he, his personality and i feel since he was doing it at the end of life it's almost sort of related to that because it's not it's not him just writing his novel or his whatever this right. is his because i am famous and these people are famous i'm writing about uh, so how, how do you feel like that tied in oh gosh i i wish i had a raw sample of him from that time period to compare to this. Cause I don't know if it's like you said, if, if it's just because of what was happening to him, him mentally and stuff, if that's where the, the, the mean spirited stuff comes from, or if that really was the raw him. And then he just got polished because of all the other stuff by people that wanted to sell him to the public. So I don't really know. It made me wonder if he was that bitter the whole time and it, and it was polished by others or if he, I don't know, or he grew into that because of life. This is definitely something 2020 connects to my own expat experiences that things build up, <laughs> like life builds up. And when many bad things happen at once, 2020, it just, it can have a really straining effect on a person. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that I completely and utterly relate to. So it could be that, I really don't know. What about yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I was just wondering if this book would well, I mean, it's all about all different famous people. So, but I just, I feel like the whole reason it is anything is because it is Hemingway. It's mm -hmm. not, it has nothing to do with his writing, even though he does have, his writing is good, but it wouldn't be interesting if it wasn't Hemingway and Ezra Pound and F. Scott Fitzgerald mm -hmm. and things like that. This was, you know, my blog. <laughs> and I, was, I mean, my, I would be proud if that was how good my writing was, but I just don't know that it would go viral. Or anything that would be an interesting experiment story. yeah is to change the name change the author change the names of the famous people put it in the hands of people who don't know it and kind of mm -hmm. see their reaction to it yeah i really i really do think it it being from him has a huge part of why people like it yeah mm -hmm. other than those moments those those gem moments that are uh, interesting or thought provoking it's just not as many and not as I don't know. I was polished. Keep saying polished. <laughs> just, ah. Yeah, I think compare. I mean, comparing the two, the the fictionalized version, mm -hmm. which also takes some different side trips and stuff. But I think sure. it's, that's much more the travel expat. Yeah. You know, post-war generation thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then this one is just more. I mean, it's a bit of that, but then it's much more uh, focused on the the famous people and what happened to them and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And again, nothing wrong with it, just two different types of things. And that's right. why I think we're hearing a lot of people saying they really love it yeah. because that's what they're kind of getting out of it. And, and I, and I did too find that interesting that these, you know, to hear these things about these, you know, very, very incredibly famous people. And it just, and to imagine that time where they're all, it just seems so wild to think of them just hanging out in the cafes and like the one, <laughs> There's the one bartender coffee at the coffee place where the guy was like, tell me some stories. I'll see if I, and I think he was talking about God, if I'll remember him. And I was thinking, it's yeah. so crazy. These people that worked at these companies were like, I don't even know who these 
smooth are, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very true. That's very true. And I actually wrote down in my notes, like, what is the Paris of now or who is the Hemingway of now? Like, what, where are these places where these people who are going to be famous in like 10 or 20 years, like, where are they all kind of probably like a, a less affordable place that's really easy to live in without making a lot because they're artists and that kind of thing like where is that place now that people are together where a bunch of them are going to come out and they'll be like oh but we were all here at this time like where might that be now is there a place like that anywhere now i don't know because what people are doing in the, and there are places but they're a lot of them are doing businessy things some are doing mm -hmm. creative things but it's a lot i mean i know a lot of people are like in bali and chiang mai or were yeah. Uh, and, and some doing very creative things too, but I don't know if they're, I don't, I don't know. Today we have such a different version of what a celebrity, I mean, you do have certainly very famous and very popular and very well known authors. Okay. I thought you were going to say the word influencer. I was like, please don't, no, say, no. please don't no, say it. Was, <laughs> yeah. But that's what I think the influencers are hanging out more in the digital nomad yeah. and the business startups and stuff but there are creative types there but as far as who we would then who 10 years from now we would see as famous mm -hmm. those would be like actors and I mean there are you yeah. know Ken became a famous author I mean the only thing I can think of is like eat pray love mm -hmm. <laughs> Elizabeth but, Gilbert and she was going to the you yeah know. but was she was were there with the people that she mentioned in the book did they become like creative famous people in, in of their own? Not so much back then, no. And that's what I mean. I don't think there's this like writerly academic circle. And I know I have yeah. a friend who is a real old school academic. Mm -hmm. She wants there to be like the Greek salons where people sit around. She was, she, that's yeah. the, she, and she's in Europe now. Yeah. She went back to Europe. And so I think people wanting that go more to mm -hmm. the stability of Europe and some of the old, older academia and stuff so it's yeah. the worlds are kind of separated now I think in a way uh, there's not and there's not the support for that the way mm -hmm. now it's even for authors and pe people that become very famous from something literary there's yeah. all this need to be an influencer and need to do something right. so. yeah 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 I I don't know I stopped writing a long time ago but I know in podcasting I keep hearing more and more and more and more uh, produce your creative thing 20% and market 80%. So if writing is anything like that now, that's very little writing. 20% of the time you're writing, but I, I, I don't, I can't do that because that's just, that's 80%, 80%. I might as well just get a job in marketing. Why? Why? Yeah, do I, do that? I, know, I, I know. I heard an interview with Harlan Coben. Do you know who that is? He mm -hmm. writes very popular. Okay. He writes these massively popular uh, mystery kind of things in gotcha. some of the main TV series. He's, you know, he's massively successful, but he actually was saying, I, I don't play that game. I write, yeah. I believe you should write to write, uh, but he certainly has huge following. Yeah. Uh, but he was like, if you write to quality, it comes, but I think it's, it's hard. And he was even talking about the struggle of that. And he's, yeah. he still has to do book tours and stuff, but he yeah. said, you know, when I write it, if it's not, um, you know, that I focus on the writing first, yeah. but I, I think that's, tough nowadays it is it is it is and uh, there's nothing wrong with sharing process as you're going along but 20 percent 80 percent that does, 20 80 doesn't sound like that it sounds like you're mostly doing the marketing of the work more than doing the, not even the, the work doing the creative thing mm -hmm. that you're talking about so yeah i think there has been a definite big shift in that i think i don't know 
It's hard to almost live that impoverished writer life now. We don't really see it that way. We see it, I think a lot of times people see it as, oh, I want to write a book to become rich and famous. And then they were, they, back then they were just, they were actually giving up the good paying jobs to do the thing. That's and they true. weren't really concerned that they were going to make money. Yeah. Well, also post World War II, no, post World War One. geez, why do I keep doing that? 1920s would be, yeah, that would be post World War One. The cost of living was incredibly yeah. low compared to now. Like the, the skyrocketing, even cheap rents in a lot of places in the world are no longer cheap. Right. It's, it's just, it's amazing to me how much, how expensive life is right now. So it would be incredibly hard unless you were staying with, staying with your parents for a really long time or just kicking it on your friend's couches consecutively one after the other. I mean, it'd be really, really hard to be that non-working I mean, how would you even buy food? Like, there's just so much, yeah, that's different now, culturally. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where why, when we were thinking about what it compared to, I was thinking more of the Southeast Asia digital nomads, yeah. or not even digital nomad necessarily, just nomad, you know, yeah. people that maybe are doing couch surfing and hostels and cheap, you know, working from job to job kind of thing is, is comparable, but not to what they were, not, it's totally different because it's not the community that they wanted to go to this one place. So things are just, yeah, not exactly, I don't know, we need to form some kind of uh, place. <laughs> right. <laughs> a new place. Uh. Well, now the places that are uh, after COVID are really trying to attract people to come that don't need a job there. Mm. There's, uh, they're doing it in Barbados, they're doing it in Georgia and Estonia. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you're new, like uh, digital nomads, whatever kind of, those, those could be, it could, uh, I don't really see it in Barbados, but I can imagine it happening in Georgia and Tbilisi. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. kind of, I, it already has quite a lot of that creative energy and stuff right now. So that that in Estonia, I can see being that's like interesting. And Estonia has the um, what is that called? The no, citizenship? No, the there's something. Yeah, e residency. E residency. Yeah. So yeah. they've had that, but you had you weren't actually able to be a resident. You couldn't right. be there. It's just for. But now they're actually trying to do a real, true digital nomad visa huh. like georgia is doing oh my gosh go there and uh and I, may need to, I may need to look into that soon actually <laughs> yeah georgia was on georgia is heavily on my radar if things don't work out for us really? uh, georgia sounds very fascinating and uh very yeah very appealing wow okay Estonia is cool too yeah but I, th I think theirs isn't quite well i guess they're all in the same stage where they're just kind of starting that yeah and i think estonia is a higher cost of living i'm just thinking after all these months of unemployment i'm gonna need a place that's not that expensive <laughs> to start with yeah georgia but, seems pretty reasonable barbados yeah. isn't isn't great for that because it's i can't island. i can't do that weather i can't do yeah. that that heat anymore i can't i i think Vietnam was my last, no, Vietnam, Malaysia, whatever the last very hot place I was living in, that was it, because it was too many years, and I'm just, yeah, there's nothing like 90 degrees Fahrenheit for me to remember that I can't do this year-round anymore, <laughs> and I think Barbados is like that all year, right, because they're, well, it, I don't know. It's it's very, it's very islandy, so it may be pretty breezy, but it's probably pretty humid. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. All right. So, any any lingering finer thoughts? Are we, are we, are we both both bleh, Are we both leaning towards the sun also rises? 
between the two, I would say, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say don't read this, especially no. if you have an interest in Hemingway and those characters of that time. Yeah. But it's uh, it's just, you got to know it's kind of sketches. That's why I call it sketches, collected yeah. sketches. Which he, I agree. He was gonna call it the Paris, I think he was going to call it the Paris sketches. So that, that makes sense. That makes a lot more sense. And I like the idea of having both versions and comparing the two, especially since it sounds like in the the, more, the newer version, he, he starts to show you his writing process. So I, th I think that would be an interesting thing to sit down with and play with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, all right. I don't even know how to end this. I feel like there needs to be, what was that funny joke from The Sun Also Rises with the, do the stuffed dogs? I feel like we need a stuffed dog moment to end this one. <laughs> yeah, the stuff, this would be the, the, the statues in the Louvre, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then a future step, read the Louvre part for this one. <laughs> that could be risque. That could, yeah. Yeah, well, it's okay. We weren't explicit, so we're good. <laughs> but yeah, I think that might have to be the, the going out part of it because it feels like it needs a bang. <laughs>